You're listening to the Beauty in the Network podcast, hosted by Jasmine Jones, licensed cosmetologist, bridal beauty team owner, and business coach to beauty pros and creative entrepreneurs. Tune in weekly for tips, tricks, and hacks on how to up-level your lifestyle, maximize your productivity in your business, and use the most efficient and up-to-date marketing strategies to get your business seen online without the burnout. Thanks so much for tuning in. Here's today's episode. Hey guys, it's Jasmine, and thank you for tuning back into the Beauty in the Network podcast. Today's episode is a solo episode, and I'm going to be talking to you guys all about my experience working in the bridal hair and makeup world, how I got started, how I got clients, how I build a tribe around my business, and everything in between, right? So before I get into all of the juiciness, let me first tell you about my Beauty Brains and Business virtual event. This event is 100% free, and it's happening October 11th. It's going to be myself plus some amazing guest experts who are sharing their time to talk to you about how you can start incorporating branding and how you can start using Instagram more strategically to attract not just clients but your dream clients right clients who want to pay your high ticket services as well as if you're in a salon and you're thinking about going solo we're going to be talking about that as well we're going to have a mental health expert to help you navigate through this time plus so self-care tips and how you can get organized in your business. It's going to be a ton of fun. And did I mention that it was free? So if you want to get that details, go ahead and check my show notes so you can register for this event ASAP. So let me go ahead and jump on into today's episode. So I'm talking about my experience as a bridal hair and makeup artist. Now, my journey has been, you know, very interesting, right? Because when I first started, I was actually freelancing um, doing hair and makeup for just like special events and um, like proms and, you know, all of that, right? So what I first did when I was building my, um, my network of people is I started to network with different photographers in my area. So I was really focusing on boudoir. I was focusing on um, headshot hair and makeup and just different studio sessions, right? So I built up a referral base of studio photographers that I would work with and I would just go to their studio and do their clients hair and makeup and I would just kind of like go on with my day. Now, what actually triggered me into wanting to kind of go out and build a portfolio for my bridal hair and makeup business is that I realized that the photos that I were um, posting, they were not attracting my client target. Um, they were not attracting my t- uh, client target clientele. Um, I have not had any coffee this morning, y'all. <laughs> But um, yeah, so what I was posting, it was like boudoir and it was, you know, um, people that needed headshots, but I wanted to attract bridal. So if I wanted to attract bridal, then I have to post bridal hair and makeup. So what I ended up doing was I did models. I did model shoots and I did model shoots in a couple of different ways. I hosted modeling, um, modeling shoots myself and I'll get into that. And then I also did styled shoots myself. So I'll go into what both of those look like and how you can start thinking about it for yourself, right? So when I was doing model shoots, I would literally post on Craigslist. (laughs) 
<laughs> back in the day. I'd post on Craigslist. I would post on my Facebook page. I would post in Facebook groups. I would post on Instagram that I needed models. And what I was looking for with these models was I was looking for somebody that was photogenic, somebody that had really nice hair, and somebody that had, you know, um, semi-great skin because I wanted to use these photos to promote my services. So I needed to make sure that whoever wanted to be my model, that one, they were going to be, you know, comfortable in the cam- in front of the camera and they're not just like, oh, like, I don't know, like, this isn't my good side, like, oh, like, what do I do with my arm? Like, like that's me when I take photos. I'm like, I don't know, like, wh- like what's my face doing right now? Like, I don't know. But, um, I really wanted to make sure that they were going to be a good fit because I am going out, I'm driving to them. I I always did um, mobile services. So I would drive out to them and I would set up at their home or set up at, you know, wherever they were at and I would do their service and I would spend a good amount of time with them, you know, just styling their hair, taking my time doing their makeup because I knew that I was going to be taking a lot of photos. So I would do the session I would take photos of the hair, take photos of the makeup, and I would start to store it up so that I can start posting it on social media. So this was great because this started to kind of get more eyes on my business and they're like, oh, okay, well, that's Jasmine. She does, you know, bridal hair makeup, um, like bridal hair makeup work. So if we need somebody that knows how to do that, like we can just go and reach out to Jasmine. And that's because I wanted to get more intentional. When I talked about, you know, getting more serious in in my business, it was I wanted to get more serious with marketing and I wanted to get more serious with my visuals because my visuals did not match who I was trying to attract when I was doing, you know, everything under the sun. So I was doing that and that worked great, but A few things that you do want to realize when you are doing model calls is set boundaries for yourself. I love talking about boundaries and it's because I had to learn the hard way. So if you are going to be doing um, photo shoots or some kind of, um, you know, complimentary session, make sure that you are doing them only on certain dates because people will try and take advantage of you like oh she's doing free hair and makeup let me see if I can get her for my wedding and just say like oh yeah I just have like some you know little shindig going on and I just need somebody to do hair and makeup I could be a perfect model for you right so they're gonna want to lean towards what they want you to do, not what you want to put out for your clients, right? So hopefully that makes sense. So definitely have um, some boundaries for yourself and definitely make sure that you are doing these sessions on days where you are free and you're not working your calendar around, oh, well, you could do my makeup on this day, you know, for like a client or something like that, right? Or for a model, not a client. But I did that, and then another way that I started to build up my portfolio was styled shoots. Now, I love styled shoots so freaking much. I got into doing styled shoots, I believe it was 2016 or 2017, and I did my very first styled shoot, and I was just like, what is a styled shoot? Like, what is this? And I came in, and I was just there to do hair and makeup, and I just saw, like, you know, the rental company. They came out there, they brought their furniture, and they styled it all pretty. They had a florist come out. They had really gorgeous florals. Um, The model, she had like a nice little bridal bouquet. It was a model groom there. They had like, it was the whole shebang, right? 
So a styled shoot is basically um, positioned to look like a real wedding, but it's just for photos, right? So this is where you can start submitting things to publications, um, if you want to get featured in blogs, if you want to get featured in magazines and things like that. That's a great way to start building that up. And it's also a great way to build up a um, tribe of vendors that can now connect other brides to your brand. Now, that's a whole nother um, podcast episode that I can do um, because when it comes to getting vendors as a tribe to basically be brand ambassadors for your brand, that is something that I actually include in my marketing strategy because if you are somebody that always refers our company to brides like we love you and we want to make sure that you feel that love so it's included in our actual like weekly monthly flow to nurture those people right if someone's referring you if someone is you know spending time to point someone in your direction definitely make sure that you show them some appreciation right and I'm an introvert so I'm just like oh okay well how do I tell them right just send them a referral tell them hey let them know Jasmine sent you let them know whatever sent you right so I started doing stout shoots now let me tell you some pros and cons about stout shoots so when I first did that stout shoot I was like oh my gosh this is amazing now me I like to see an idea and kind of create it as my own. So after I did that very first style shoot, I planned about 13-ish style shoots for myself, well, for my brand, and it was amazing. So me planning style shoots looked like me pitching myself to a planner. Hey, I'm hosting a wedding shoot. I would love for you to be a part of it, you know, but worded just a little bit differently. So I would reach out to planners. I would reach out to photographers. I would reach out to venues. I would reach out to models, uh, bridal gown shops. And it was awesome. I love, for me, I love planning. I love getting details together. I love getting organized outside of business. I am not an organized person, believe it or not. But when it comes to my business, I am very structured and I'm very organized. So I was doing that. And one thing that I realized as I started doing more style shoots is that people started reaching out to me because they saw, oh, she's doing a lot of style shoots. Maybe she can help us on our style shoot. Now, that's amazing because people start to see you. People start to see that you're getting visible, right? I am all about ways of getting visible, and I love to do that intentionally with collaborations, with being out of the box, with different marketing strategies and tactics, but more so with styled shoots. So people were reaching out to me, and they were like, hey, um, we're having a styled shoot, XYZ, blah, 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 can you do it? And what I had to learn to do, and this is from experience, is I now ask people to see a mood board. I want to see what your mood board looks like because if you are basically duplicating um, a shoot that we already did, like same color, same vibe, same venue, then that's not really going to help us out in our um, in our feed, right? So if we're doing it at, you know, the same venues that we've been doing, then that's not really um, expanding our visibility into different areas. Or if we're doing a shoot with the same exact vendors that we did last time. Now, you can do like that's totally fine. 
but if you want to be um, strategic about it, you want to make sure that the mood board is something different so that when you are posting in your feed, you have diversity. And the last thing that I wanted for my brand is to have, you know, a feed of, you know, things that just look look the same, right? Oh, that's the same venue. Oh, that's the same kind of dress. Oh, that's the same kind of style, right? And I wanted to see what the model looked like, right? So I talk a lot about, you know, being back from my hometown of Charleston, um, South Carolina. And what ended up happening was we were getting reached out to do styled shoots, but some of the models, they get, they got reused a lot. So we would have maybe, I don't even know how many bridal hair and makeup artists were in Charleston or are in Charleston, but there's a lot. But you have models who are modeling for all of these companies. So if a bride goes to, you know, wedding hair and makeup, you know, USA, I don't know, I'm just saying names right now, but if they go to wedding hair and makeup USA and they're like, oh, look at this cute model. And then they go to my brand. They're like, oh, wait, that's the same model. Go to another, you know, hair and makeup company. Wait, that's the same model too, right? Like I didn't want it to look like that. And that's something that I realized as I kept doing style shoots over and over again is that I was working with some of the same models over and over again, which they were cool, but I needed diversity. So I asked to see, like, what does a model look like? You know, who's the model? I would see what those details are before I told somebody that I was available or not. And a good way to kind of say that is like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for reaching out to me. We love collaborations. We love shoots. Um, I would love to see what the mood board looks like and who you have for the model to see if I would be available for it, right? Just tell them straight up. Like, just don't be afraid to put those boundaries up. So tell them that if that's what you want to do but that's what I did and um another thing about collaboration shoots that might be a con for you is if you are doing a lot of collaborations please realize that it is okay to say no it is okay to say no and I say this because when I was getting approached by you know so many new vendors and so many um vendors that we've already worked with they would reach out for us to do shoots because we would always do the shoots we did about like 27 or like 36 out shoots in one year. That did amazing things for our uh, our network of people that refer us and who can connect their clients to us. But what that also did to me is I felt like I couldn't say no. I felt like, Jasmine, you can never say no because if you say no, they're never going to ask you again. And that was just my own limiting belief. So it's okay to say no. It's okay to tell somebody like, hey, we're not doing any style shoots right now, but thank you so much for asking. But we will be doing them, you know, around XYZ period, right? So if you don't want to close that door, like let them know, like we're not doing them at this time. But here's when you can reach back out right so I did that and that was working great that was working really great so flow was going good we we're getting clients um people were seeing our posts getting shared on you know other vendors page whenever they would showcase the style shoot they would see our work they would say who did the hair and makeup click on the photo go to our page reach out to us hey I just saw your work from you know so-and-so photographer I want to book you and that's how we started to get a good trickle of consistent leads coming in right so and I say consistent leads because leads don't necessarily lead to bookings Bookings is what happens with your sales system in the back end, right? Now, I love to talk about the back end, and as I am 
you know, growing my career in the bridal beauty world um, now where I only focus on the back end and I have girls that go out and do services for me, I have such a love for the back end of business. And I'm going to tell you right now, you have to be organized. Being in the bridal beauty world, it is fast money. It is fast money. It is quick money. It is big money. But you have to be organized. So no one told me. (laughs) No one told me when I was getting into the bridal world. One, you have to have a certain kind of personality to be in the bridal world because you're going to be dealing with brides who are so emotional. They're happy, they're sad, they're freaking out, they might be a little boozy up because, you know, they're, you know, maybe six mimosas in and they're, you know, all over the place and you really have to have an adaptable personality. That's one thing that I do kind of, you know, take pride in about myself is I have a very adaptable personality. You could put me in a room of, you know, crazy, fun, you know, overly energetic people, and I will blend. I will blend if I have to blend. But if it's chill, calm, or if it's hectic energy, you have to be that energy that mellows things down. You're working with that bride. You have to make sure that she's calm so she's not hyperventilating, sitting in your hair or makeup chair and freaking out and going all over the place and being squirrel brain, right? So you have to be able to adapt to that, right? And that's one thing that I love about myself. I'm adaptable, but you also have to be very organized. So one thing that I love to do for my clients is I provide them complimentary um, timelines. So timelines are so essential because I am OCD. I was not OCD when I first started, but I am so OCD. And it's because I've heard so many stories of, oh, well, I was doing a wedding and like we all ran late and like we had to start the the wedding two hours later or whatever. And I, like me, I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't want that to be me. Now, I'm not saying that if you had situations like that, there's nothing wrong. You, You have to learn from experience to know, okay, well, maybe we should do timelines or maybe we should do this. But I took that and I was like, okay, well, let's just make some timelines. So whenever I was making timelines, I would overestimate the amount of time that it would take me. Um, and then I would just kind of leave some buffer time in there as well. Now, the downfall about doing weddings yourself is that it might take you a while. I remember going to weddings where I would start at like eight o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't be done until like, you know, two or like, 3 30 in the afternoon and I mean that was great for me because I was making money but it was kind of like not fun for the bridal party because they had to spend like the whole morning and the whole afternoon before the wedding just waiting to get hair and makeup and this is the reason why I actually started my bridal team because I knew I can't just do, you know, 50 million weddings. One, my company does not even do like 100 weddings per year. That's not our goal. We want to be high ticket, low volume, not, you know, low ticket, high volume. So if you don't know too much about business models, then let me just give you a quick rundown. So with high ticket, low volume, That means I can take less weddings per year, but still make as much as if I did lower, lower tickets. So lower prices, which would mean I would need to have more clients, right? So higher prices, less clients, but still make more, or I could have 
a lower ticket sale, but I would need to have a ton of bookings, right? So that's the model that I set up for myself, and that's why we only take a handful of weddings each year. So I was doing that, and it was working good, but I, I had to do those timelines, and those timelines were great because brides were, they were a little bit calm, when they're like, okay, well, Sarah, you're at four, or Sarah, like, you're at nine, or you're gonna be with Casey at three o'clock, or whatever, and, like, the bride, the bride would be, like, the head honcho, like, all right, bridesmaids, get ready, you're gonna be up, you're gonna be up, and they kind of did the heavy work for me, but you need to make sure that if you are working a wedding, that you are not timid. I am an introvert and I had to get my butt kicked out of that because it was situations where, you know, I'm done with the service or I might have got done with the service a little bit early because I had that buffer time in there and I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for Samantha. Samantha is at Chick-fil-A, you know, getting snacks <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, shoot. Well, now I am kind of behind on my time. So what I did was I would just go to the next person. So I would go to the next person. I would say, hey, Samantha's out right now, but I want to make sure that the timeline still, you know, is, you know, synced. Are you okay with going next? And they'll say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go. You have to be comfortable going and finding people, going and getting people, telling people, hey, come sit down. Because what I realized when I did not have a timeline is, you know, I would kind of go there and I'd be like, who wants to go first? And then like, I don't want to go first. Oh no. Ooh, ooh, who's going to go first? No, my makeup. Mm -mm. I have oily skin. Mm, who's going to go first? And it would just be like pulling teeth, right? It would be like pulling teeth. And I would just be like, okay, somebody has to go first. Like somebody needs to come sit in this chair. So I started doing timelines because of that. You need to run the show. You have to run the show. And you cannot be afraid of sounding bossy because at the end of the day you are you are the beauty I call myself the bridal beauty uh you know coordinator right the bridal beauty coordinator and it's because you have to coordinate the chaos the bride is paying you because you are going to run the show you are going to tell people when the appointment is you are going to tell people okay next right like thank you next go get you know whoever and if you are too timid or too afraid to do that then People are going to feel that. People are going to sense that you aren't really, um, I don't want to say standing up for yourself, but they can tell when somebody is, you know, out of their element, right? And that's the last thing that you want. So you have to be okay with, you know, being like, Rebecca, where are you at? So you could do that. But what was going on is, you know, the days went good. But when I got home, I would realize, okay, well, I spent, you know, 8 o'clock to, you know, 3.30 doing hair and makeup. And I would kind of analyze how much money I made. And I mean, the money was great. The money was great when I first started out. But what I realized is that I was not setting myself up for success and I mean that by reflecting my prices my prices were low um I believe around that time I was charging maybe like $65 for the bride and like $45 um, like for makeup and like 50 for hair and I don't know I was just charging prices that are not how I charge now right so what ended up happening and what I started to realize is even though I was getting busy even though I started to get bookings while I was, you know, working my part-time jobs and freelancing here and there, is even though I was working so much, 
I was still not able to pay my rent and it's because my prices did not reflect my worth, right? So I was afraid of raising my prices because I had a limiting mindset back then. And as you as you grow and as you scale, limiting beliefs are always going to pop up. That is why I am always talking about mindset work is something that you need to always be doing on the regular because if you're not working on your mindset, you're going to hit a level of growth and you're going to hit a plateau. And then you're going to think, okay, well, this is all. This is it. And I hit that. I hit that and I'll, I'll get there a little bit. But I was realizing that I needed to raise my prices, right? So I was thinking, oh, well, if I raise my prices, they're just going to price shop. They're just going to go to my competitors because they're just going to see whoever's the cheapest, right? So <laughs> I had to really get out of my head with that. And I started to raise my prices. And when I raised my prices, do you want to know what happened, y'all? I started to get bookings even faster people started to see my prices and we like dates were just going dates were going and I was like okay this is cool now this is around the time when I was still freelancing for companies right so what ended up happening and what triggered me leaving these companies is that it became a point where I was already working dates um, freelancing for other bridal beauty companies or, you know, just doing studio work and people would say, hey, I want to book you. Um, so-and-so referred me. I had so many referrals, so many direct referrals. I counted them. I had 36, 36, 36 referrals at a point in time that I had to turn away. People that said, Jasmine, I want to work with you. I had to turn them away within the span of a year, right? So I had to turn them away because I was already booked on, you know, another company's wedding or I was already booked on a studio session. And I realized like, Jasmine, you have people reaching out to you. They want to work with you. You have been building the groundwork and it is working. It is growing. And now you need to free up some time so that you can actually take on these new gigs and stop turning people away. So I had to tell the company that I was working with, like, hey, I'm out. And if you have, you know, heard my story about, you know, how that went and how I got let go, like, that's a whole nother situation. But I was planning to go ahead and make my exit strategy. And that's when I started to get a team. So I realized, okay, well, I can't just, you know, be spending, you know, a whole half a day doing hair and makeup. I need people to help me. And I needed to be focusing more on the back end aside from just going out and doing hair and makeup, right? Doing hair and makeup is only a part of the job. We need to make sure that we have organization in the back end. Otherwise, it's going to be a crazy mess, right? And I'm, I'm telling you that because I, it, it was a crazy mess for me at one time. So I was finding girls that could help me on gigs and I had freelancers and they were they were amazing um, at this time before I actually had a team. I was reaching out to different girls that I found on social media and I was like, hey, your work is bomb. I have weddings. I always need help. Are you down, girl? And they're yet like, yeah, girl, let's do it. So I'm like, OK, cool. So that's why I first started out. And then those girls actually turned into freelancers. And then I started to hire out more freelancers and we had a small team. So what no one really tells you on the back end of, you know, having a bridal hair and makeup business or having a team is that you need organization. Now, I like to say a lot, like only my business is organized outside of life. 
I'm just, you know, like, I'm a squirrel. I'm a squirrel outside of business, right? And it's because my business needed structure because I love free time. I love to do what I want when I want, you know, however I want. And for me to do what I want and, you know, have vacations and go places and not worry about my business, I need structure. I need structure because with structure, I can tell somebody, okay, hey, I'm going on vacation. This is what you could do. Here's how to run social media. Here's how we answer emails and all of these things, right? So I would do that and it was working good, but you need some kind of system on the back end aside from like a Google Doc or like a notebook with like, you know, pen, paper and, you know, things like that. You need some kind of system that helps you keep your clients organized. Now, this is why I love to talk about HoneyBook. Maybe I will make a podcast episode all about HoneyBook, (laughs) but I love HoneyBook because it helps me organize my clients by date. So for for example, right now I can organize all of my clients from, you know, now to all the way to the end of 2021 by their date, right? So whose wedding is going to happen first, second, third, all the way to the last one, right? So I have that in place because I noticed that, you know, as my business started to scale, I needed something on the back end to help me just keep details together. I used to use, um, like, I think it was called HelloSign or DocuSign or something like that. And then I had, you know, people giving me invoices through um, Square. And I mean, that was great organization when I was smaller. But as I was growing, I needed something way more um heavy duty um honeybook is very light in and it keeps things very branded it keeps things simple and you can put clients on um automatic payments so that you don't have to reach out to them and say oh well hey so and so your payment is past due or whatever and all of that so that's one thing that I love to use with honeybook because it just helps me keep organized now when it comes to payments One thing that I had to do in the back end or one thing that I had to do for myself as we started to scale is I realized that I hated taking payment on the wedding day. I absolutely hated it. And it was because I had some situations where and especially when I was freelancing with other companies, that's the model that they had. Like we would just collect payment on the wedding day. And it was kind of annoying because people would be like getting dressed, they would be getting ready, putting on their bridesmaids gowns. And I'm just like standing there in the middle of the room, like with my like square reader, like, okay, bust out the debit cards. (laughs) Like, that's no fun. So when I was creating my own business, I realized that I wanted something that was a little bit more streamlined so that I'm not standing in the middle of the room you know, when people are getting ready for photos, you know, collecting payments. So one thing for me that I made a standard for myself and made a boundary for myself is that you're paying me two weeks before your wedding. And I say you pay me two weeks before my we- before the wedding because I have created an experience where they, they see, oh, she knows what's going on. Okay, like, oh, this branded this branded brochure, she has a contract. The contract is nicely listed out. The contract tells you, you know, payment dates, what period. We take payment at um, eight weeks and four weeks out. 
Um, and then, um, I talk about all my policies, right? If your payment is late, this is how much you owe. And I created that standard for myself because I wanted to elevate our experience. Our brand was growing. We were getting more into the luxe vibe. Um, we're definitely getting more into the more, more luxury vibe. Now, if you check out our, um, Instagram because we just had a, a brand revamp because um, my business turned six years old on September 15th. So that was really exciting. But I wanted to make sure that even when slow season came around, that I was okay, right? So if you are somebody that is actively working in the bridal beauty world and you collect retainers or you collect deposits, also, if you are saying deposit, a deposit can get refunded. A retainer, um, a non-refundable retainer, um, that can be what it is, non-refundable, right? Now, based upon whatever your contract says, um, especially with, you know, all this pandemic stuff going on, um, one thing for me is if you book us and for some reason you have to cancel or you just decide like, oh, never mind, like that retainer is ours. Like you don't get that back. Um, unless, you know, there's like circumstances and I'm like, okay, yeah, like I totally understand girl, but that's up to your discretion as a business owner. So make sure that you know the difference between a deposit and a retainer. So those are just some major tips when it comes to payment. But yeah, we collected payment, um, two weeks before the wedding and that just really helped because if you are a bridal hair and makeup artist that collects deposits or retainers, you want to make sure that even when slow season is going on, that you still have, you know, some kind of payments coming in while you are, you know, working towards, you know, the next month, right? So, so right now, um, my bridal beauty business, we get retainers coming in at least, um, like I said before, eight weeks to four weeks. So that's two months before their wedding and a month before their wedding. So even though we're not doing active services, we're still getting paid for weddings that are coming up, which is awesome. So that might be a model that you might be interested in. You can always slide in my DMs over on Instagram, Beauty in the Network. If you want to know more about that, I can just tell you how I have that set up. But that's one thing that I love. But going back to the organization part, as you scale your business. So as I scaled my business and now I have 14 girls on my team, I'm actively doing um, interviews, virtual interviews for girls that want to be a part of my bridal beauty team. I am finding that when I am, you know, just working in the back end, that things are like they're going to break at a point in time and then you have to rework how the schedule needs to look or not rework the schedule, but rework the system so that it works for you. So what I mean by break is that my business had to break a couple of times in order for me to see, okay, what is working right now? What's not working in the back end? What needs to be re re revamped, right? So I would come to a point where, you know, my automated email flows, they would be working amazingly well. And I would get to like the follow-up stage and then like the follow-up stage would kind of be a little wonky and I would be like, okay, well, what's going on here at this step? Okay, how can I rewrite this, this follow-up email? How can I get, you know, a ghosted client to reply to me, right? So these are things that I talk a lot about on the back end because like I was saying before, just because you get leads to your bridal hair and makeup business, it does not mean that they're just automatically going to become your client. 
because you need to have some kind of sales system in the back end that is going to support your value, support why your prices look like they do, right? Why you're the best and why they should pay your luxury rates. Now, if you don't have a strategic um, sales system in the back end, which looks like a welcome email, um, a proposal email, um, a follow-up email. I like to have a couple follow-up emails um, as well as a contract. Um, also, after a contract, you need some kind of onboarding process, right? How do you onboard your process or do they just or do they just book you and then you're like, okay, I'll reach out to you closer to your wedding date. Bye. <laughs> right? Like how are you going to nurture them? until you get to their wedding day don't just leave them to just be like okay I'll deal with you later like you need to have those processes in place and that's where I started to nerd out about because it's not just about having a pretty brand it's not about doing models and posting you know gorgeous hair and makeup and all of these things it's about creating an experience that somebody wants to say like oh my gosh like I'm going to refer my friend to you like this experience was amazing like nobody else has done this and that's how you truly start to stand apart right now these tips work great if you have a team or if you are solo, right? Or if you're solo. Because, like I was saying before, if I had the mindset that I do now, then when I was doing, you know, services from like 8 o'clock in the morning to like 3.30 in the afternoon, then I probably could have had luxury rates and say, hey, this is how long it's going to take. These are my prices you're getting me and I could probably maybe you know bring along an assistant to help me so that we're not there all day right but I was not thinking that way I was just like I need to do all of the services so I can get like money for rent right but it was not a strategic plan because like I said those prices that I was charging it did not align with you know what I needed to make for rent um, you know, each month. And I was just doing the most. I was doing the most because I did not really set up the foundation for my brand, my brand to, easily, to even see how much money I wanted to make that year, how many clients I would need to have between like uh, bridal clients or um, bridesmaids clients. I was just kind of aiming and just doing a whole bunch of everything, right? So don't do that. But you want to make sure that you are um, being a little bit strategic. If you want tips on how you can start preparing for that, I do have um, some new Instagram highlights up if you want to go check that out. Um, I believe you can check it out if you go to um, how to set up your business, uh, your beauty your beauty business for like holiday promotions. That might be in um, systems or that might be in just like business tips over on Instagram. So those are just some tips that I wanted to share with you guys about what it looked like for me to get into the bridal beauty world, how I started to build up a portfolio, how I started to build community around my brand, and how I had to figure out some hard things of what it really looks like to run a bridal hair and makeup business or how to even do it solo, right? So, so some things that you don't really like take into consideration like client management systems and uh, timelines and um, you know being adaptable because people are people are going to be crying it's going to be their wedding and you got to be adaptable <laughs> so that's just um, a few tips that I wanted to give you guys today but I am going to be making a another episode that just goes into uh, 
some things that I talked about today, like sound shoots, building community around your brand, and some other fun things. So I'm super pumped for you to hear about that. But like I said before, at the very beginning of this episode, make sure that you check out in the link in the description, the show notes for my October 11th Beauty Brains and Business virtual event. It's going to be myself as well as some amazing guest experts. I would love for you to join us there and make sure that you have a notebook and pen ready because we are going to be dropping some amazing nuggets and I cannot wait to see you there. But bye guys. I cannot wait for you to tune into my next episode. See you soon.